Hey, can you hear me? You made it. I can't. Yeah, for some reason, it just doesn't want to work on my phone. So can you hear me okay? Yeah, you sound great. Okay, cool. How's your uh, week going? Good. Lots of cats in it. <laughs> lots of cats? <laughs> yeah, how's yours? Uh, not not that many cats. Uh, just going good. Just a lot of meditation. <laughs> Mine sounds more fun. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll have it your way. Burger, <laughs> Burger King. All right, let's jump into this. It's going to be fun. We'll start yeah. us out. Let's do it. Got a little intro. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Around the Fire podcast, where we sit around with great minds around this digital campfire to learn what we can to dominate our purpose, dominate our dating lives, and especially today, live life on our terms. And to help us do that, we have Des. Let me get your last name right. <laughs> Dobreva. Do Dobreva. Yeah, yes. Right. <laughs> Des Dobreva, the branding queen herself. And she's on here to help us how to be how to be rebellious at branding. How do you go against the norm? So Des, thank you for being on here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I'm excited to do this. Like I'm I'm passionate about branding and I want to ask you, like, what got you into being so passionate about branding and being the branding queen? Honestly, it's been about a decade, I think. Um, okay. Way before I've had a business or anything, I was just doing um, like a bachelor degree in economics, believe it or not. And um, I was bored out of my mind and I just started researching stuff. And I, I really love looking at celebrities. And back mm. in the, the day, I didn't know what I was looking at was their brand. What I really, mm. really love looking at what they represent, what their values are, how they position themselves in interviews. So that's what really got me into the whole branding thing. That's where I learned what branding was. And that's why I started researching universities to do a master's in branding. And then that's where I truly got really passionate about it and started my business. Awesome. So what was your brand like when you first started out? Was it bold and brash or were you figuring things out or like what it looked like in the early days? Oh, it was the exact opposite of that. Oh, oh really? Yeah, man, I was I was a little blonde girl back mm -hmm. then. Let's start with that. I was okay. super um, shy. Well, I don't want to say shy, but I was not confident. I I was living in Denmark at the time doing my master's and it was very, I was broke. I was living in this tiny apartment above a car repair shop. I was barely affording to go to university and I started freelancing online, but mm. I was just competing on price in this freelancing platform of work. And I, I wasn't mm -hmm. really implementing anything I've learned, I'd learned in university because I just didn't realize I didn't make the connection, which is weird, but that's what and it was. And what was that connection? What was that aha moment? Well, I had been working for eight bucks an hour in this um, freelancing site while I was also having a part-time job in Copenhagen. And mm -hmm. it's been about, I want to say two months. And I increased my hourly rate from eight to 10 bucks. And I remember at first being like, yeah, I'm going to make so much more money, like a mm -hmm. thousand bucks a month or something. And I started mm -hmm. looking at my finances and, and my goals in life like what i want to afford and i was like fuck my life i'm never gonna get there like what the hell am i doing and then i realized i study this shit why on earth am i competing on price when i have all the expertise to not do that 
and for myself. So that's when I started slowly taking myself out of these platforms and on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn. And in 45 days, I had my first $3,000 day on Facebook. So that's how it happened. That's, that's exciting. That's awesome. Is that, would you consider that was the day the branding queen was born? Yeah, I think that was it. I didn't know it back then, but that was definitely it. My first ever three sales calls and I closed all of them for a 997 product. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, my life has changed completely. <laughs> yeah, there's something about uh, me and my buddy called uh, entrepreneurial bucks. There's something about when you put yourself out there and especially like building your own brand and then someone pays you for your service or whatever you created. Uh, it's, it's extra special in that way, you know, that you created it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it really. I think I just, I think for most people, it's mindset. Of course, if you like the strategy and you have the mindset, you're still fucked. But I really think it starts with mindset because for me, I just didn't see myself as any anybody who can make something more than 10 bucks an hour. And right. the moment I believed is the moment I had my first $3,000 day. Is that what you think or you notice with a lot of um, people you work with? I know you have like your membership site um, and the, mm -hmm. the badass brand squad. Is that like the mm -hmm. main hill you have to get most of the people that work with you over to uh, help them like blow up their brand online? Yeah, definitely. I think especially with the membership side stuff, I make sure in every round I accept a few newbies, people mm. who are just starting out so that we can get them started with a membership site. And this is the number one thing. So I've started bringing in uh, a money mindset expert, um, somebody who understands the psychology behind money and opening yourself up to that. And I didn't mm. used to believe in that crap, mm -hmm. but after seeing it over and over and over again with people, I really do think that makes a huge difference. That's awesome. So it, it makes the shifts that allows them to really go out there. How did um how did you start blowing up your brand as far as like putting yourself out there? Like your personality, I know um what is it? Marilyn Manson is a huge inspiration for you. So how did you oh, yeah. how did you use Marilyn Manson and like really put out like per personal stories and shit? Because that's actually what drew me to your brand too. Is just like the 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 stories and the even the inner um just the different battles, the personal battles and things that you went through is ins fucking inspiring for people like me. Cause it's like, yeah, it's like the things that the normal people don't talk about. They just have the glossy look of their brand and you're like, well, cool. I can never be that. But what, what gave you the courage to put that out there? That's actually great that you say that. And I will answer that question. But before that, I just want to say so many people start off and I was one of them thinking you just have to put for forth this perfect polished persona mm -hmm. because the, the more intimidating you are, the more clients you're going to get. But actually, <laughs> that's not true. It's right. really not true. Right. Because the moment a couple of years ago when I started sh uh, positioning myself as just a little bit more relatable, mm. it blew up, man. Everything just blew up. And that's when I realized the power of building an emotional connection with your audience. Because for me, there is three steps to positioning yourself as an expert. And it all begins with building the emotional connection that leads to building trust. And that leads to building authority. So for me, honestly, it's been a mix of, yeah, I really connect to Marilyn Manson's whole ideology of he likes to put himself out there as a really controversial figure. Mm -hmm. And he's not a of sharing all kinds of opinions even on taboo topics like religion mm. which i love as well because that really allows him to filter the people who come into his life so for me when i do that when i put myself out there in a super controversial way and not forced at all it's just mm. who i am 
it really allows me to see people's true colors based on how they respond to that. Are they instantly going to judge me? And are they going to start insulting me and calling me names? Or are they actually going to ask me questions and involve themselves in intelligent discussion? So that's really what blew me up, what blew up my brand, but also what has allowed me to work with such great clients, I think. Mm. That's great that you say that because I feel like that's kind of the key to it is like, making yourself polarizing in a bit. And I think that's the biggest fear that people are afraid to do because they think it, it's kind of paradoxical. They don't do it because they feel like that's what's going to repel the people they want to them. But paradoxically, <laughs> that's actually going to bring the people to them that they want and the clients that they enjoy working with too. Is that, yeah, is that true? It's, it's so true. It's the perfect filter. And honestly, like that's again, one of the mindset blocks that I always have to overcome with my clients when they come to me because mm. it's like 50, 50 half of them come to me knowing this already because they've looked at so much of my content so they know the psychology behind this okay. but half of them don't so it's a it's a learning curve for them it's and it all starts with the first ever piece of content they put out there where they share an unpopular opinion so i get them started with that mm. and once an unpopular opinion they start seeing people's reactions and and start seeing the psychology behind why people get triggered and why they respond like that it gets exciting trying to decipher people you know yeah yeah i agree and usually it's like when you get the hater well i love the quote what is it um what is it jealousy is confused admiration so usually when you get people hating on a post <laughs> they actually they actually like your shit they just don't it kind of just it's kind of fucked up the reality a little bit and so now they're having like this adverse reaction, but deep down it's actually coming from admiration. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, oh my God, man. You should just take a look at any of my Facebook ads. It's, it's insanity. I was looking at one of them today. There's like a hundred comments on it. Half of them from the same people, just insult after insult, like really coming after me really, because what, <laughs> when do this it's like i think most of us fail to understand why they do this but really they're doing it because they want to evoke a negative reaction out of us because the right. moment they get you emotional they've won mm -hmm. and so i don't show that i don't get emotional i just respond with like the weirdest shit ever and photos <laughs> of my cat they get so pissed at that it is hilarious so i honestly i really desperately try to get people into the mindset of being offended is a choice Take this in, don't get offended, just have some fun with it, man. And right. that really changes everything. I, it was funny, I was laughing. I, I saw you tooling. Um, I'm not going to say his name, but I actually know him. I haven't talked to him for a while, but he took the wrong stance, but he called like Marilyn Manson a, like a pedophile or something like that. And you're just like, okay, cool, where's the evidence? And he just like, oh, he, yeah. got, he got super defensive. He was like, shut the fuck up and just took a hard stance. <laughs> and you just like, I was like, oh, this is cringeworthy because you just fucked with them so hard because of that. I'm like, oh, this is what happens <laughs> when you do that. It's good. It's it's fun because it like, and it, it makes it for good marketing too because that's like what people want to see. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I like I like kind of call, checking the um, the holistic and spiritual uh, the niche community because I, I actually love them. I'm a huge woo woo nerd and all that, and I believe in a lot of that stuff. But I but I think you can get caught up in it where you you just kind of go on to these like vague principles that make you sound smart, but actually you don't know what you're talking about and you're full of shit. And so I love checking people on that where they just say these like buzzwords and like, yeah, just do this. And you're like, okay, well, what does that mean? Like someone who hasn't read all your Eckhart Tolle books, how are you going to get them to do that? Um, yeah. It, it's yeah fucking fun. There is so much toxicity in that. Cause I, 
for some reason, even though I'm not the most spiritual person out there, I attract a lot of spiritual people into my inner circle. I have no idea why. And, mm. and I've noticed that they talk to me all the time about just how toxic that community is, not my inner circle, but like the, <laughs> <laughs> the spiritual community. There's so many people there who have no fucking clue what they're doing. There's yeah. so many people who are completely broke, but are teaching people how to manifest money out of thin air and just play <laughs> on it and meditate on it. And you're going to find 500 bucks on the floor. And it's insanity. <laughs> it's fucking insanity. 500 bucks on the floor method. I saw that. Somebody was literally saying, because I have this particularly insane woman that I I don't unfriend people because I love watching them embarrass themselves daily. So they're... (laughs) She, every single day, she posts shit like that and people are actually falling for it, man. She's like, Mm. oh, wow, today I did my money manifestation and guess what? I walked out of my apartment 500 bucks on the floor. I was like, yeah, (laughs) that that happened for sure. She's like, I did my my uh, finding the perfect man manifestation, and then I met the perfect stranger in the store. I'm like, <laughs> I love it, I love it. Oh, well, I think what it is people are looking for, and maybe this is why people from the spirituality community are going is they're they're searching from truth, and and that's why I appreciate your brand. Is you or you're all about speaking truth? It's like what's real yeah. here, like what sussed it out, and you you speak from experience of it. Um, were you always like that or did it take you a while to kind of develop that, uh, that courage to kind of, uh, put yourself out there? I've always been like that, but not publicly. I've always just been like that with my friends and my family, which they hate, (laughs) but (laughs) do that in public. Oh my God. When I got started in this whole uh, online business shit, I I was told by, especially men, many men really did try to put me down and say shit like, you know, you, Mm. you really look like that sound like that they really really dissed my accent because i mean the whole eastern european thing it's like you think of i don't know male and brides or something <laughs> you know you're not thinking uh, of a business owner and so i was told right. change accent, change this change that and so i was really at that point that was about five four or five years ago i was mm. really not daring to be controversial to speak up about things and you know, a lot of Marilyn Manson later and a lot of, <laughs> I don't know, soul searching later. I just tried. I gave it a try one step at a time. And with me, if I take one small step and I see that something's working, I don't take another step. I just jump off the cliff. So that's pretty much <laughs> what I did with my online presence. I like how you said it takes some soul searching, too. And I think that's definitely an element of it um, that people don't talk about. And what is it? It's. It's a quote I like too. It's a classic quote. It's like, usually you don't have business problems. You have personal problems that are like seeping into your business. And I noticed that too. It's usually when I've, when I've gotten my psychology on board, when I've gotten my shit together internally, that's when the brand and branding and marketing and stuff kind of came naturally. And I, and I think that's what a lot of people need to do. A lot, I think a lot of people I like, try to get into and they try to parrot what works. Um, and then they realize that it doesn't, it's not working. And that's when you kind of go down that journey of working on yourself a bit and doing the internal work oh my god i love that quote that is exactly what it is and especially when it comes to branding there's for example take a look at your feed right now there are so many people and i'm not going to speak on like what's a conspiracy theory or what is not (laughs) 
<laughs> Let's right. not go into that, right? But there's so many people who a few months ago, these seemed like normal people. Like I would yeah. work with this person. Now I am absolutely repelled with 80% of my feet because all they can talk about is either politics or the mask debate or some other crap like that. Or do they believe in abortions or not? And it's like, mm. you're not doing, this is not a business problem you have. Yes, you're destroying your positioning. But if we look deeper... <laughs> personal problem like something's not going well in your life if you know you're running a business and all you can do is talk about abortions you know yeah no i saw some of your posts that said that and i like that you guys you're like guys stay focused on your business and make money like worry about the shit afterward um and and let's talk about that for a minute like what how what is good positioning because some people may be saying that like well i should post that des because that's gonna make me stand out people are gonna want to work with me because of my opinion how, how do you suss between like putting your opinion out there and it's like fucking up your positioning and your branding versus positioning yourself smartly with your message that you're putting out? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, just look at the ratio. It, it's people go way over, but like there's this guy, uh, like I'm sure you know him and, and I've been following him for maybe three years, if not more. And initially mm-hmm. I followed him because he had some really good business advice. Like I think it was Instagram he was doing or whatever. These mm-hmm. days I have not seen a business post in like four months. It's all, mm-hmm. politics, all politics. And I was asking him the other day, hey, do you still have a business? And I wasn't like, <laughs> I, I know it's not really mean, but I genuinely, I don't know. And I don't want to keep following him for politics. So I'm like, is there like yeah. another platform i can follow you on because i'm not about this crap and i can mm. see many many other people feel the exact same way but because when you do shit like that you get a lot of attention from people who really don't care about your brand or your business they, they're just right. there to argue with others you feel special and it's this adrenaline rush and you're like oh this got me noticed i should do more of it so i think people just go overboard and the perfect well there is no perfect ratio but follow the 80 20 room and 80 mm. should be business 20 can be um well i have a pretty like solid structure where i share five types of posts but really um mm-hmm. you need to be entertaining you need to share stories that have nothing to do with business just for the sole purpose of building the emotional connection um mm. and you need to you need to sometimes share not not necessarily through a story but you need to take a stand for something and take a stand against something like i was just posting about this the other day i said if you're a leader and if we're business owners we tend to look at ourselves as leaders right even if Mm. we're not (laughs) and uh you need to not just show your your community and your people what you stand for it's so much more important to show them your boundaries. What will you absolutely not tolerate? And people are not doing enough of that. They're glossing over it and they're staying neutral. Mm. But, you know, you don't you don't run a successful multi-seven-figure business by staying Switzerland. You know, you can't be. Yeah. I think that's a very key point is creating boundaries. I, I mean, I teach guys that all the time with uh, – with just social skills and talking with women and whatnot. And I think it's like, and it sounds like the same. And that's why I love, I love branding as well. It's, it's the same thing. It's these same principles that you use when you're going out and talking with people and whatnot. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense of like putting those boundaries out there because people that respect your respect, that opinion are going to jump into your following with you. They're gonna be like, fuck yeah, this guy or this girl knows what she's talking about. Like she's the leader and like, she's yeah. the, she, or he's the go-to. And so, yeah, yeah, I think that's super exactly. important. And I think a lot of people are afraid to do that too. And, and again, it's one of those paradoxical things. They think doing that is going to repel people away from it. It's like they're trying to catch, they're having like this catch all mm-hmm. net where I, 
everybody's my client, everybody's my customer. And because they're putting that out, it's actually making you look needy and like repelling everyone away versus if you're like, okay, you're my customer or client or follower. If you are like this, if you like this, if you agree with this, then a lot of people are like, you know what? I actually do agree with that. That does make a lot of sense. (laughs) Honestly, like I think there's nothing more powerful than being able to stand up well metaphorically online and say you are not who i want to work with and that's that's Mm. exactly what i do so here's an example for you that works perfectly in this case um on my facebook ads i told you i get lots of hate so Uh, I run these five-day challenges, and on one of my ads, there's this woman who straight up attacked me and wrote a comment saying, oh, my God, like, your your reviews and testimonials are all fake. I have no idea (laughs) who said that. And she's like, oh, your reviews are fake, and this is why I'm not going to sign up for this challenge. And I was like, and and she was like, do you have some sort of a circle where you tell people, where you pay people to come in and leave you a review? (laughs) Um, Because that's what everybody does. And all I responded to that was, oh my God, girl, you seem to be hanging out with some really scammy people. And oh, (laughs) hell broke loose. And then this evolved into like hundreds of comments to which they insult me and I respond with something funny and condescending. And then then this, and I can see why a lot of people who see this want to stop by and tell me, oh my God, I was going to sign up for your challenge, but then I saw how unprofessionally you responded and I'm out. But for every person who said that, I got three who signed up for the challenge and messaged me or wrote it on the ad and said, I literally only joined the challenge because I saw how you responded to all these bitches and I love Mm. it and I'm completely and fully aligned with you and now I want to work with you. That's awesome. So yeah, let's go deeper with that. What is usually behind the, that insult of this isn't professional. What, What do you think is usually behind that? The people that are saying that? Oh my God. And it really sad <laughs> that women say it in particular, because with men, I get it. But right. with women, right, right. <laughs> to go after another woman who is clearly trying to redefine what professional means in the business world and attack uh-huh. her. Because that's what I've been trying to do since I got started, because there's this mm. weird status quo where, oh, you need to wear freaking, what is that? Uh, shirt called the Steve Jobs always wore Tur- uh, turtlenecks or whatever like you have uh, to yeah. not throw your body you have to not wear dark lipsticks oh my god and if you dare curse oh you just fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and so I've been trying to fight against that ever since I got started and I knew I was kind of scared in the beginning because what I thought was yeah. okay it's gonna take me longer to become successful this way by being who I really am but I, I, I will do it Turns out it actually really worked <laughs> the amount of time that it took me to become successful because people just are instantly drawn to somebody who is this bold. So the whole yeah. pro- professional thing, I think people just, everybody who's listening to this just needs to understand that it is very subjective. There is no, mm. I don't even know what the fucking dictionary definition of professionalism is, but this is online business. First of all, times are a changing. And you can't, you can't just say to someone unless they didn't deliver. To me, being professional is I didn't deliver according to a deadline or I was late to a call. This to me is what being unprofessional is. But cursing? Come on. You're going you're gonna to hate on me for cursing, but you're going to follow Gary Vee on Instagram and love all of his videos? Right. That's hypocrisy. Yeah. No, I love that. And uh, I'm glad you shared that for the people that are listening and just figuring out their brand and uh, are like maybe, maybe holding back 
uh, putting out parts of themselves because of that. And I know I, I dealt with that too, especially being in like the dating industry. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of hate, a lot of like labels of, oh, you're being a misogynist or even cussing too. Like, they're like, oh, you shouldn't cut. I'm going to have like people that want to invest in my company and whatnot. And I, I, it was the same thing. I was like, you know what? This may take me longer to be where I want to go with my like mm-hmm. financial goals or blow up my thing. But I was like, fuck it. Like this is, this is going to be more fun being yeah. me fully. And, and that's where I enjoy it. Like I wake up and I'm like, fuck yeah, I enjoy this. Like, yeah, part of my ego feels like I should be making more money right now, but I'll get there. Like I have the hustle for it. So, and and I think people need to know that too. And sorry to interrupt you, but I'll forget. I have a terrible memory. But um, it's not only going to be more fun when you do it that way, but the thing is when you build a vanilla brand where you never curse, (laughs) you never do anything out of the ordinary and you're just this perfect Polish version of yourself that's totally fake. When you do that and you become successful that way, and I see this with a lot of people who come to me asking for help because they want to rebrand, they're scared to death of how their audience is going to take it. You cannot do mm-hmm. anything outside of that persona. Like I saw, I think you interviewed Mitch, didn't you, recently? Yeah, well. yeah. Well, that's a great example because um, he's built the type of, well, it's easier because he, he is a, a guy. And for us, it tends to be a little bit more difficult. But he's built the type of brand where he can literally, kind of like Trump, he can go out <laughs> on the street and say the worst shit ever kill a person and then it's <laughs> gonna be like well yeah that's mitch and that's yeah. so better if you think about it than building a vanilla brand where you can't even say the word fuck because if you say it once they're gonna crucify the shit out of you well and then i think that's the thing too the people that don't do that you see the hypocrisy like i've had so many like other investors or even other business partners that were like yeah let's talk about dating but we're just going to talk about the charisma part and we're not going to bring up sex. I'm like, you do know like half the reason why people are coming here is to learn how to get laid. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're like, yeah, but that that's like, my mom doesn't want to hear about that. And that's yeah. not tradition. I'm like, well, well dude, like let's, let's be real about this. Like, you know, let's, let's talk, let's say the things that everyone wishes they could say, but doesn't, you know, and they don't. And I'm like, that's the hypocrisy. Like you're think you, you're acting like all nice. So everyone likes you for one thing. You're really selling this one thing, but you're acting like you're not like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Like, no, fuck that. Let's be real about what we're doing here. And then that's more respectable anyways. It's not this two-faced, like, dumb shit. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to look at it. Actually, you're being more respectful to the people who follow you if you are who you are instead of <laughs> a fake version of yourself. Because, I mean, it's so disrespectful. It's like I'm following this person, and I think he's this way, but he's actually not. And then one yeah. day when he reveals who he truly is, I'm going to feel so betrayed. And you see this all the time with celebrities when something comes out about them that their audience doesn't like. It's like, oh, my God, I feel so betrayed. It's ridiculous how yeah. invested we become in people's personal brands, but we do. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. Um, let's talk about content creation. Mm. Uh, what do you see? Uh, like some, what are some like top trends that are stupid as fuck and people should stop doing? And what are some like, <laughs> what are some awesome things that they should be doing? Oh my god, where do I start? It's like I have a list of three hundred things that people should not be top, doing. <laughs> top, top three. Your first top three. Well, since it's twenty twenty, like obviously we already talked about it. But the number one thing you should not be doing just ditch the political talk, man. It's bringing your brand mm. nothing. You're not gonna convince people to vote for who the fuck you're voting. Just 
do not only I, I see it this way. I talk about politics, but only from a branding perspective. So I will go okay. my wall and say, here are 10 branding lessons you can learn from Biden. Highly unlikely, mm. but that's what I would do. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, if you vote for for Biden, you're this or that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know my opinions. I share them, but I share them on other people's posts because that way I don't spam the shit out of my own wall with, with things people don't care about. So that's the first thing. Now, the whole conspiracy theory thing. So I have heard people tell me, well, I'm just going to keep sharing these. What is that called? The thing they believe in, like Pizzagate and all this stuff. Because, oh, yeah, yeah. And he, he listened to this. I'm going to keep sharing it because my ideal client is totally going to relate to that and start working with me because <laughs> he believes the same theory. And I'm like, oh, my God, you really don't <laughs> understand the concept of an ideal client in business. <laughs> it, it, that is not true. Literally, what you're doing is you're saying, I want to work with people in this tiny little echo chamber where it, they have mm. to believe my theories and my Pizzagate crap. And if they don't, then I'm not going to work with them. How do you think that looks to your audience? You look like a closed-minded mm. fucktard. That's never good. <laughs> so that's the, the top two things, especially in 2020, because I'm guessing next year this, this two shall pass and they'll jump on the next trend. Oh, that's actually right. the third thing, probably. Have you noticed how every, I think it's about 45 days. Every 45 days, people jump on a new trend. So okay. the outrage culture is fascinating. And especially on our feed, mm. it's so evident. Oh, my God, I'm going to cancel cuties because sexual exploitation of kids. And then 45 days later, everybody forgot about it. Everybody reinstated their Netflix account. And now they're outraged at something Trump said. 45 days later, it's something else. When you do this and when you comment on the stuff that everybody else is commenting on, you're too predictable. And your audience doesn't like that. You have to be predictable mm. to a certain extent where if they know your brand, they need to be able to predict your opinions on something. That's important. But to become so predictable that you comment on every single trend and share your opinion on every single thing, no, surprise them sometimes. Just don't be yeah. predictable. That's terrible. Yeah, I think that's a it's a good discipline if you if you're posting content um, as someone who has their own brand. Uh, and I think I got this even from Mitch Miller as our last interview, and he was saying like show he's like show some fucking discipline and like know when not to give your opinion because i sometimes feel like it's like first it's like well what do i say here i go i'm gonna put my opinion out there and then you kind you actually get competent at that mm-hmm. like okay cool i can put my opinion out some people agree some don't i know how to handle it and then like everything you think you're you think think up and i have this problem too where i've had to like <laughs> discipline myself it's like just because you thought of it doesn't mean it's fucking gold like okay maybe <laughs> and now i have actually part of my process now is i have two journals where i try to like write it down first before i go immediately to like the the keyboard and type it in it's like let's write it down first let's think it out is that is this on brand topic or not and i think that's a good question for like people ask is this on brand topic or not um yeah that's exactly what i advise actually take it further than that don't ask yourself is this on brand ask yourself is this going to is this piece of content interview i'm doing whatever gonna strengthen my brand positioning or is it gonna weaken it that's all Mm. that matters when you're posting on your business platforms okay 
And, and how do you tell whether you're strengthening or not? What, is yeah. there like another question or? Yeah, that's the tough part, right? Because if you don't <laughs> have uh, at least the basics of your brand strategy in place, okay. you cannot tell. And this is why it, it really pisses me off when people say crap like, no, you don't need branding to make money. I'm like, do you realize that you're making money because you know who you're selling to, what you're selling and why you're selling it? That's branding. Mm. That's part of your brand strategy. So literally, if you don't know at least the basics of what your brand is, what you're, how you want to be positioned, then 80% of the content you share is just going to weaken your positioning and not going to make you money. Mm. What about people that they're like, I have Des, I have my brand up and I'm like getting followers and getting comments and likes, but my whole audience is broke <laughs> and it's their fault. They're broke. <laughs> what, what do you, what's the advice you tell people that, uh, that uh -oh. give you that? I myself have said that multiple times a few years ago. I clearly remembered I was telling my business coach at the time, my audience is broke. They're not going to buy a, a 997 door branding program. He's like, give it a try. Literally the <laughs> three people I got on a sales call bought it. So most of the time, now that's not always true, but most of the time that's just bullshit and it's just fear-based thinking but okay i have seen cases when where people truly do attract the wrong audience because their messaging is wrong so here's an example i like to give is let's say um and this is my example so let's say i want to attract newbies people who mm. can't really afford anything apart from maybe a 300 dollar course definitely not a three thousand dollar program so i would say something like here are five ways to uh, do marketing on a budget, right? On a budget. Mm. But then if I want to attract people with successful businesses, then I would, I would make a post saying, here are five marketing, um, five important marketing actions you can outsource to your VA or social media manager right now. Now I'm mm. only targeting people who can afford to have a team in place. So most people don't think of their content in this way. And they're only speaking to people who are broke and that attracts only them. Mm. They have other people in their audience who are not broke, but they're just not attracting them. Okay. So it, it, that sounds like more going into the psychology of your uh, target market. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Most people. Think what are, um, that. I know I did your, your five day challenge and you had us like write out like a little uh, target market, like the ideal target market. What are some uh, other exercises that you have found useful or useful for students to, uh, to do to kind of narrow in their target market? Oh my God, I can share with your people. I have this free resource. It's called 42 questions, literally 42. I know it sounds like a lot. And I had one guy, <laughs> I swear this is the truth and he can vouch for it. He like answered all these questions from my free uh, PDF and he wrote 17 mm. pages, <laughs> 17 fucking pages. And he was like, wow, I didn't think I could go this deep on my ideal client. And this is the problem. Most people answer five questions like demographics, which usually don't even matter. Like, um, mm. Like, uh, how would their ideal day look like? Like, what is their pain points, desires? And that's it. And they stop. Like they don't even look. And in fact, most people don't look into desires. They just look into pain points. So here's how I like to think of the ideal client. And if you just do this one thing, you're going to get a lot out of it. So is your ideal client walking away from a, like desperately trying to run away from a negative situation or are they okay? They're doing fine, but they want to walk towards 
a better future, a more positive situation. So in the first, mm. you target the pain points. In the first case, this person is stuck in a really negative situation they're desperate to get out of. So you have to meet them where they are with more negative language, not language like, oh, imagine what your life could look like. No, <laughs> the imagine type of thing, you save that for the second target audience. This one, it has to be more negative. You have to say things like, let's say you're targeting people with fat loss like do you look yourself at yourself in the mirror and just hate what you see um and these people are usually not willing to take responsibility for their own actions so they would blame anybody else so with fat loss for example they're gonna blame uh the fast food culture but not their own lack of discipline so that's how mm. you target them and then teach them what it is when they become clients the second type of person that's you target desires. This person is not stuck in anything negative. For example, let's say you are teaching people how to build a side business, like a, I hate the word side hustle, but you know, <laughs> they have a full time right. job and they just want to make some extra money. They're in a perfectly fine situation. Ain't nobody broke or angry. So mm. why would you treat <laughs> them with super negative language? No, just get them to imagine what life would look like six months from now if they invest in your program now and set up a side business that has the potential to turn into a full-time thing in the next year or so. Okay. So it sounds like a, a level of like emotional intelligence of where your audience is and then where mm -hmm. you're trying to take them to. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what are some trends or like things you've noticed studying like celebrities and famous people that you enjoy learning about branding, maybe some patterns or stuff that you've, you've used in your own brand. Oh my God. I really love examining the brands that people hate. So, because okay. I think if so, and this is what people don't understand. They really, really hate people's guts, like the Kardashian family or Paris mm -hmm. Wilson or Cardi B. Like, I know a lot of people who cannot stand them. And because they cannot stand them, they don't examine them. And my question to them mm. is, don't you think there is something really powerful at play here to make you have such an emotional reaction to this person? Right. Even if it's negative, right? And that usually mm -hmm. makes, them, makes them realize, oh, wow, I'm missing something. So for me, I love looking at, I mean, the, I, people know that I really love examining the Kardashians because it's like a never ending freaking <laughs> of PR and branding shit that they do. They're always selling. They have so many businesses and, um, especially yeah. if you look at Kylie and Kim, because they're definitely, and Chris, the, she's like the mothership. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. They're the most interesting ones. I love looking at how they interact with their followers on social media because these women, without any paid ads to begin with, build a multi-multi-million dollar empire, which is now a multi-billion dollar empire once they see mm -hmm. ads. And so I really love looking at their what they do on Twitter and on Instagram in particular because it's it you may think it's simple but they're there hustling every single day involving people in behind the scenes shots of their life and this is something everybody teaches their clients yeah show them behind the scenes but barely anybody does it people think that behind the scenes means showing a video of you and your cat cuddling which is what i do <laughs> but, but that's really not it people want to see the deeper shit people want to see you talk about that time you failed people want to see you mm. uh, and i know it's become such a cliche to cry on camera but it really depends if you <laughs> fake or not because some people really do fake it but if you get emotional yeah. when you're talking about that time when you lost like a hundred grand or something or when you talk about you had that surgery or you your mom died or something that's what people want to hear that's behind the scenes to me you no makeup mm. if you're a woman 
or a man, who knows, inclusivity. Um, lying on your couch, <laughs> talking straight to the camera, no polished shit, no fancy graphics. That's what these women also do. That's what Cardi B does a lot. Like she really doesn't give a shit mm. if she's wearing her makeup or not. If she has, she literally did a, a super viral interview on YouTube. I forgot who it was by. And one of her nails, you know, she has these massive nails. It was just, yeah. it fell off right before the interview. So she did the whole thing without it. And people were loved it. They were like, oh my God, mm. that is so cool. She's not perfect. So really, it's the whole mm -hmm. relatability thing. It's really being relatable is the number one way that celebrities try to position themselves in order to get more gigs, in order to drive more interest towards their brand. And I, as soon as I learned that a few years ago and started implementing it, because I really think mm. we need to think of ourselves as celebrities, even if we're just starting out. Because yeah. when you do that, you're going to be 10 times more careful and more strategic with how you're positioning yourself online. I agree. Um... And uh, I think I think it's almost better because it's almost like you're a you're a meta celebrity because sometimes like we're not not all of us are going to meet the Kardashians, but mm -hmm. people can meet other people online that maybe you have a Facebook relationships with. It's more common and, and it makes you more relatable too. you're like, oh, I can do that. And that's that's the next question I want to ask you is like, how has built building your own personal brand given you like the personal freedom to live life on your terms? Honestly, I'll forever be thankful to myself for doing that because I, I mm. talk to a lot of people who are feeling cautious and I think it's fear mostly of yeah. becoming the face of their business. And and the reality is, sure, you don't have to. You can build a brand without your face or anybody's face attached to it. It's going to be harder for sure. The reason I did mm. it with my personal brand is genuinely, if I'm being honest, I just thought it would be faster and easier. That's it. Okay. Of my thought. It wasn't anything too deep. And it was just a test. And when it worked, mm -hmm. I realized, wow, let's examine this, find the patterns and why it worked. And now a few years later, I can tell that using your personal brand for whatever business you're building is the most powerful and the fastest way to become successful and live life on your own terms if we look at mm -hmm. like shark tank for example i i love mm -hmm. i binge watch it all the time <laughs> um and lately it wasn't always like this it wasn't always like this in the first seasons but ever since the last five six years or so they always ask mm -hmm. the person so what's your story and why, how is this connected to your story? Like, why are you interesting? Literally, they're asking, why are you interesting? And yeah. the reason they ask that is because they know that if they invest in this person's company, they're going to be responsible for part of the marketing and selling this person. And mm. they cannot sell a person that has no story. So literally, they best base their investing decisions on how powerful the person's story is, which is basically mm. the person's personal brand. So that's how important it is. And that's how, uh, how much of a powerful role it plays in you achieving whatever the hell you want to achieve. And for me, I... I don't know if it was luck or a combination of luck and strategy or whatever. I, I, I'm not going to say I planned it this way, but for me, it all happened really fast. Like I got into business and I made a hundred grand in eight months and I was so hmm. overwhelmed with this shit that I, I didn't know what to do afterwards. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> do I do ads? Do I do this? Do I hire more coaches? And the only reason I got to this point is because I was fully 100% myself and because mm. 
I focused every ounce of my spare time on building my personal brand and being strategic with it online. That's awesome. What does um, having like a personal mission play? What part does that play in, in building your brand? Well, when I when we because I run a high ticket agency and when, mm -hmm. when we close a client for a full package, the very first thing that we do, and that's usually what I do is the brand strategy. So the very first mm -hmm. piece of the brand strategy and what I need to know to write your origin story and your content plan, all that is your purpose, mission purpose whatever mm -hmm. I call it, brand purpose. And mm -hmm. people really struggle with that because the thing is, um, I think it's the same with values versus beliefs. A lot of people, when you okay. ask them what their values are, they tell you something they believe in, but that's not a value. That's not something that you've had ingrained in you in your whole life. Values cannot change. Mm -hmm. it's something insane has to happen for a value to shift. Beliefs, you can shift quite easily. That's the difference. Yeah. And it's the same with the purpose. If it's something that you've only had for like a month, <laughs> it's probably not your purpose. <laughs> if it's something that losing it doesn't make you feel like you're dying, then it's probably not your purpose. Mm. It, it really is the key to everything. Like if people don't know what your purpose is, they're not going to be able to truly build an emotional connection to your brand. Yeah, that's deep. That's that's a deep uh, and almost like some that's where the soul searching comes from from is <laughs> yeah. like you got to figure that out yeah even what you said it's like as far as like values like yeah like what what is deeply ingrained i think even like going going through some shit is like what um what kind of helps you suss that out like that's what i try to teach like uh students and whatnot is like adversity is your friend you just got to read the signs better but it's actually like when when you're in pain you're gonna figure out your priorities real fucking quick like when things are good you might get to it when you have time mm. at the end of the day but but like when things are hitting a fan that's when your values are gonna pop up and you're like okay i'm gonna go for this mm -hmm. i can't go for this right like when everything's falling down around you yeah um, that's a good so i think that's super important yeah, that's a good way to look at it and you know a super easy way to start defining your values is mm. Literally, remember the last three months of your life, what were some of the things that truly pissed you off and made your blood boil? Like, what do you tend to mm. at online, maybe, um, that makes you go, oh, my God, I'm so disgusted right now. Whatever that is, yeah. reverse engineer your values from that. Yeah, I truly believe, too, like, even this kind of how I've lived my life is, like, if whatever adversity you go through like that kind of gives you the right to be the spokesperson for that. Cause there's a lot of hidden pain, like whatever, whatever you feel is personal is actually global. It means like more people have gone through it and like, they're just waiting for that voice to relate. And so if you can ease off, like if you can have the courage to express that you're actually helping a lot of people, you're healing people like through your words and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I kind of, that's why I tell clients, it's like, find like, what is something that you overcame, you know? And, and that's what I've always done the brands I've gone after and even, you know, dating and all that. It's not just because I, you know, was good with my looks it was no, I dealt with anxiety, depression, all the shits, you know, and I understand that pain. And so like, I, I want to help other people going through pain. So, I, and I think that's where it makes like building a brand, like not only do you get to live life on your terms, but you're empowering others around you. And that's, that's fucking awesome. When you can, when you can get your selfish desires met and also help people around you, I think that's like the, that's where inner fulfillment comes from and living a good life comes from is like those two in balance. Exactly. That's a great way of putting it. And you can take that further. What you said of, yeah, you've been through some adversity. Now 
take what you've been through and use it to help people who are going through the same thing. So to take that one step further, I really, really am a fan of calls based marketing and like a business based on on some sort of a cause or movement. Okay. Yeah. It's usually, it's never random. Like everybody's been through something that then becomes part of their, or even the whole basis of their story. And then that story becomes the whole basis of their business. So what Mm. are those things for you? For me, um, the main thing that really my whole life is shaped around is the cyberbullying that I went through. And I really mm. talk about that. I have a whole TEDx talk about that. And and mm. that thing really takes a massive part in my story. And my whole brand, mm. if you ask me what you're really selling, that's a question I like to ask people. What are you really selling? It, it ain't confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that's confidence. Everybody who works walks Mm. away 10 times more confident and so that's directly connected to what i went through with with the cyberbullying and that's what i talk about in my tedx talk and that's what i'm constantly showing through my image through my business through how i deal with trolls so when people see those little connections it's like a little puzzle you know it's that Mm -hmm. game what the hell is the name of that game with the dots that you have to like uh, connect oh that's gonna both connect it connect the dots <laughs> I think you were right there. You just had to flip some words. Oh, shit, okay. <laughs> like you're this. Good, yeah. Good. It's like when people are able to connect the dots between your story and your business and your offers and why your photos look like that and why you look like that and why you speak like that, that is the most powerful mm-hmm. thing ever. And it all starts with your your the adversity that you've been through. Mm. Yeah. What about people that they're like, okay, well, I know I, I could be a spokesperson for this, for this cause, but there's already coaches out there, Des. There's already coaches <laughs> out there saying that stuff. Yeah. That's so ridiculous. It's like, can you imagine if you had to search for something unique that you've been through that nobody else on the planet has been through? That's, that's distant. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Yeah. This is where the concept of brand personality comes into play. So okay, that is the reason people buy. People always are like, people buy because of the emotion. People buy because of this (laughs) and that. And while that is kind of true, I really think it boils down to brand personality. So this is how do you show up? Like, how do you speak? How do you look? How do you sound? Uh, what the vibe do people get when they see your website? Like, what, what emotions do your colors and even freaking fonts evoke? And... Mm -hmm. people are going to see, because you shouldn't be delusional. If people are following you, they're probably following three of your competitors at the same time, trying to decide who amongst you is the most worthy (laughs) for them to work. (laughs) Right. And Mm -hmm. the way they're going to choose is not based on who has the best testimonials. Like I wish, but that's very rarely the case. The way they're going to choose is Mm -hmm. who has the type of personality that I can connect to the most. And with me, it's, If you see me and then one of the other people doing branding is this like vanilla pink dresses wearing girl that never curses and like has the perfect polished image, then many people will align better with that than with my rebellious type of brand. And so that's the real reason. So you can't really be like, oh, other people are talking about this. That's like saying, oh, I shouldn't teach copywriting because other people are teaching this. Well, no shit, Sherlock, like millions of people are (laughs) teaching it, but you have your own audience. They want to buy from you because they align with you. Right. What does does creativity play in a part in your uh, creating content? Like, what does your creative process look like for, for you creating content? For me, I I started off 
when I started my business thinking, oh, every piece of content needs to be super innovative and out of the box and creative. And I put so much effort into creating unique mm. content, like diving really deep into the psychology. I'm a huge psychology geek. And mm. and it's good because now I have tons of really amazing content that I keep repurposing for years to come. But yeah, yeah that's yeah. exhausting, man. Not everybody has the time to pull that off. I mean, some people are here having full-time jobs trying to make a business work. So I soon realized mm. that and my privilege, because I've never had a full-time job. Um, even <laughs> though I was broke, I just I just my business started working so fast that I never had to get one. So when I realized that, mm. I, I started thinking maybe creativity is not actually that important in content and maybe what's more mm. important is just showing up consistently with a very, very focused mm. strategy. And so I started with a basic framework that I don't know if you've done my content challenge. That's where I share it. It's like, uh, yeah, you're, I've used your uh, yeah, calendar, exactly. the 30 day calendar. It's, that's, it's badass. Yeah, yeah. So that's the one that outlines the five types of posts in terms of what especially mm -hmm. so it took me about four years to get to that framework and i revamped it okay. so many times and i started with nothing but just me and my uh, my laptop and me typing random shit every day and, <laughs> and my creative process is basically literally what you see in that disruptive planner and we can share that with people okay. so they see what the hell we're talking about but yeah. really there's this um this visibility principle it's like Actually, it's called the familiarity principle, I think, in psychology, where um, I wish that the people who are the most successful are the ones who share the best content and the ones who have the best results, but that's simply not true. The people who usually make the most money and are able to help the most people are the ones who are the most visible. So that is why big brands don't invest in these fancy campaigns that have such massive, deep meanings. Usually it's superficial shit, but... They invest mm. a fuck ton of money into so that you can see them all the time. That's what we do with Facebook ads and YouTube ads and whatever. People who have super basic ads are making millions just because the mm. more you see something, even if you start off hating it on the, what was it, like the sixth or the seventh time you see it, now you, now you begin mm. liking it. And then on the tenth time, you buy it. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy the power of like repetition yeah. of seeing the same thing over and over mm -hmm. again. And like you said, too, like even the emotional connection to it, maybe you hate it at first, but it kind of it's, it's even like a song or even like, I don't know, there's like even like Geico commercials and stuff. They're cheesy as fuck, but then they sometimes get into your brain. Mm -hmm. and you're like, what the fuck? And then when you have to make a decision, you're like, well, what insurance companies do I know? And you're like, you're like, ah, damn it. Like, I do have to get it now. Yeah. Um. No, it helps for sure. There's this concept in branding, distinctiveness versus differentiation. And it's like, it's different. But you, it certainly helps if you can differentiate yourself. Like, definitely, if you can pull that off, do it. Do that and combine that with the consistency and with the visibility. And then you will be truly unstoppable. But there's many people who, to begin with, for example, they don't know what makes them different. They're just now figuring that out. Mm. They don't have their, I call it a unique differentiator, that one thing, you know, that makes you stand out. Mm -hmm. So, and what they do is they stop doing anything until they figure that out. They don't sell. They don't create any content. They just go broke, basically. <laughs> they, they lose momentum. They don't do shit. And that's not right. While you that out mm. just be visible because we have to remember we're we're not the center of the fucking universe like whatever we post online people unfortunately unfortunately, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, yeah. whatever we say or do unless it's something crazy like 
air quotes offensive people will forget it in 48 hours so you can easily rebrand yourself if people have started remembering you for something you don't want to be remembered for so just show up and be consistent and once you figure out what makes you different then start creating content based on that for sure Hmm. i know you uh watched the new paris hilton documentary yeah um what what did you learn from that and and her brand that was very interesting because I mean, I always knew that because she rebranded herself already a few years ago when she went from people who don't know anything about her are going to laugh at this. But basically, she was known for, for, for her baby voice and like her mm. being a dumbass, essentially. That's what the whole world mm-hmm. thought because she did this show where it was all scripted. Uh, to make her stupid. Right. And um, she rebranded herself a few years ago because she actually runs a $300 million freaking empire with like 20 plus product yeah. lines, believe it or not. Yeah. And she. And she's and she's a DJ and too. And paid a million dollars for one DJ gig. It's insane. That's crazy. And so yeah. She rebranded herself to this and she dropped the baby voice, which was actually fake. And her voice is actually quite freaky and deep. <laughs> Um, it really yeah. doesn't suit her. And um, when she did that, the world kind of exploded. From, so stupid, but they did. And mm. she was invited to all of the big shows and everything to talk about the big rebrand. So I thought that was it. Like, mm. that's who she is. That's great. But now that she's done the documentary, it just added another layer because I've been examining mm. the responses. Like, I've looked at the ratio of positive versus negative. And from what I can see, people have definitely. Um, come on board of this rebranding thing because she shared something really deep. I mean, she was abused. Like, she was hit and emotionally abused and everything in this boarding school for a whole year of her life. And really, now that you look at the things she did afterwards, she's now able to explain her behavior, the sex tape, and all of that that people have always blamed her for, even though she was a freaking kid. She was 18 years old. That was that was crazy to hear about. It talks. It kind of shows like how much grit. And it's funny. Like people can they can easily talk like talk shit about people like Paris mm-hmm. Hilton or even the Kardashians. But I'm like, dude, those are tough people. Like for them to be able to have what they have, like you got to be able able to withstand a lot of bullshit thrown in your direction. Yeah. And even the thing with the sex team, like everyone just thought she was doing it to get attention yeah. or to blow up. And really, you find out it wasn't. It wasn't mm-hmm. the. It was like the opposite. And the guy was a douchebag. And like her sister was talking mm-hmm. about how she had to flip all the the newspapers over in the hotel so the parents wouldn't yeah. see. You're just like Jesus. Yeah. So- I really, if I'm being fully honest, I I think that Kim Kardashian definitely. It may have surprised her at first, but from my research, it shows that they did give permission for the sex tape to be used. So she was definitely on board with the Paris. Yeah. They were like shopping it around, yeah. right? The Kardashians. Yeah. With Paris, yeah. it really, she was 18 years old. It really looks like the whole thing just destroyed her brand and it was not done on purpose. Mm. And with this new documentary, it has added a very different layer to her positioning. People definitely see her as more serious now they see her as deeper they see her as somebody Mm -hmm. that and this is big they see her as somebody who they are not ashamed to say they follow now and that has not Mm. been the case for the last few decades yeah that's powerful it's It's the same with kim kardashian ever since she decided she's gonna be a lawyer now little girls and teenagers and adults like us have have a have a way to say hey kim kardashian did this without feeling ashamed that they followed this worthless bimbo because that's how she was positioned before mm. yeah 
Well, Des, it's been great. We're going to wrap it up here. Um, where can people find you if they want to check out your content to get help with their branding? Type the branding queen in Google and you shall find me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And if you could give one message out to someone out there, maybe like a younger you or whoever that maybe has a brand in mind and they have maybe a cause they want to fight for, but they just don't have the courage to pull the trigger yet. What would you tell that individual? You know what? I would tell them that business is hard and you hear mm. stories like, like mine. Cause yeah, I've been through a lot of shit, but I really did make this work quite fast. Cause I think I just got lucky to be honest. And you start mm. thinking you have to achieve the same thing in the same amount of time. And that's completely bullshit. Mm. Business is hard. It's never going to be easy. Mm -hmm. And please, for the love of not God, but whatever, um, don't give up after several failed launches or after you hire a business coach and they scam you. It is vital that you keep fighting and that you do it by being fully yourself because you have no idea how close you might be to your big breakthrough. I've worked with so many people who were this close. Well, you can't see me, but they were super close. <laughs> For real, I'm like making all those signs here. They were so close and they were just about to give up. They found me. I told them to make the tiniest little tweaks and they hit 10K a month, literally two months later. This could be you. So please, please just keep going. I think that's a great message. Yeah, I think it's just like, just keep going because you never know. And and it adds to your story too. It adds to your hero so I even think about like the bullshit that I go through like this year. I'm like, sweet, I have content for next year now. Yeah. Like it's ready. <laughs> like yeah. so, and it just adds it adds to the journey, which is going to inspire your audience and make them want to work with you and then be a part of yeah. that that journey and part of exactly. that exactly. And that way, you make your audience co-creators of your journey, and that's a really really powerful thing to do because the more you make them co-creators, mm -hmm. the more invested they feel, and the more they're gonna buy from you and be impacted by you. Yeah. Des, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming Thank on. Thank you for having and me. Will... This was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it again. Yeah, sure. Bye, guys. Peace.